The Bible actually says to do it to one another. And I'll get to that in just a few moments. But, I, but a part of repentance is confession. So it's a confession of faults to yourself, to God, and to someone you trust. David said in Psalm 32, he said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is the person whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So in this Bible study series, we've been looking at how we handle the hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups that have a propensity to mess up our lives, even after we're born again and become Christian people. So it is a, it's necessary and essential to be open, to examine and confess my faults to myself and to God. This is what we could call the house cleaning step. I'm talking about getting, being on a path to being whole or to be complete where you don't feel frazzled, you don't feel like your life has fallen apart. Uh, so tonight will be the house cleaning step is to get rid of things in our heart, in our head, in our attitude, and so on. This step has to do with cleaning up the past. It's, it's letting go of guilt that some of us may be wrestling with tonight. It's gaining a clear conscience and learning to live guilt-free in the future. This is why it's a part of the recovery process, and uh, it's important that it's a part of it. It's because guilt oftentimes will keep you stuck in the past. If you feel like you've been a bad spouse, if you feel like you've been a bad parent, if you feel like you were a bad child growing up, and, and we can have guilt in our head, and you may not think of it every day. But it still manifests itself in your attitude and your presence, presentation to yourself, to God, and to others. So it's, it's learning to live, letting go of guilt, gaining a clear conscience, and learning to live guilt-free in the future. Um, again, guilt causes us to get stuck in the past. It keeps us from growing it keeps us from becoming all that God wants us to be. If you're going to learn how to really enjoy life, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to learn how to let go of guilt. There's a lot of Christian people that struggle with guilt. We have a hard time accepting the fact that when God forgives sin, He forgives it. It's, it's a divine attribute that a lot of us don't have. Uh, a lot of us struggle with forgiveness issues in our own lives, much less the lives of others. But on top of that, not only does God forgive, He forgets. And that is something we can't do. And that's oftentimes the reason why we stay guilt-ridden, is because we can't forget the things that we've done to ourselves, to others, to our family, and so on. We have to understand here tonight, nobody here tonight is faultless. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. We all have regrets and remorse. We all do. All of us here tonight sometimes wish we could turn back the clock and do things differently. So we feel guilty about it, and we carry that around with us every single day. Sometimes consciously, but most of the time 
unconsciously. There's a lot of ways you react in life that are caused by unconscious guilt. Things you feel bad about that you may not even be aware of. People have a tendency to deny or repress the guilt. You may excuse or rationalize the guilt. You may even blame other people for your guilt. But you still feel the effects of guilt in your life virtually every day. There's people here tonight that struggle with this all the time. If you're really going to recover from the hurts, habits, and hang-ups in your life, you've got to learn how to let go of guilt and learn how to live except living with a clear conscience. Psychologist tells us that we can't get rid of our guilt, that we just have to learn to live with it. So people try to rationalize their guilt. But when I try to rationalize my mistakes and sins, my mind says it's okay, while my heart tells me that it's wrong. And somehow the heart always wins, or the conscience always wins, and it cannot keep quiet. But the good news, in spite of what psychologists say, is that the Bible tells us how to do what psychology tells us we can't do. And when we take this step, we'll reap the benefits of it in our mind and our heart. I I hope everybody's listening here tonight. I'm I'm doing my best. Um, (laughs) I know there's things in my life I could go back and undo. Just, you know, one or two things, not that much, but I'm pretty much perfect, but... just want to see if y'all was listening or not. Um, No, there's things in my life I wish I could go back and undo. Anybody else here tonight? Don't raise your hand. You don't have to, but it's okay. You wish you could go back and undo some things. There's people here tonight that wish you could go back and undo a marriage. There may be people here tonight that wish you could go back and undo having some kids. I don't say that in jest. We live with this stuff. And you try to negotiate this powerful, magnificent relationship with God and mix all this stuff in with it, and it gets convoluted, and and, and it's hard to worship, and it's it's hard to to witness to people. It's hard to be stalwart every day. And and periodically you cave in to these thoughts and and, and remembrances that, that is going on in your mind, and they can pop up anytime, anywhere. It's very... Um, non-discriminatory. I mean, things pop up anytime, anywhere. Um, I'll be honest with you tonight. Uh, I've been in some very, very special moments, very tender moments, very kind moments. Uh, I've been in moments of relaxation. I've been in moments where I could let my hair down, and just like that, something pops into my head and kills the whole entire thing. Just like that. The whole mood changes. Your point, your perspective changes. Your attitude changes. And you start feeling yourself getting angry. And, or you start feeling yourself getting depressed. Or you start feeling yourself wanting to isolate yourself from everybody. It's like you got this big sign that just lit up on your forehead that I'm guilty over something that happened 40 years ago. And it just popped up in my head and just killed the moment. Anybody else? This is what psychology says you can't get rid of. But I disagree. I think you can get rid of it. Jesus said, blessed 
or the pure in heart, he would not have said that if he did not empower people to obtain it. He's not going to dangle a human condition in front of you and then say, well, I'm not going to give it to you. I ain't going to help you get to that point. He can. And that's the point. That's the point of this Bible study tonight. Again, David said, and you'll appreciate the verse now, blessed is he whose transgression or sin is forgiven. You're blessed when it's not in your head anymore. You're blessed when you don't think of it anymore. You're blessed when you don't feel guilty about it anymore. So before we look at how we take this step, let's look at why we take it. Because when we understand the why, the how is easier. So what, what does guilt do to you? What does guilt do to me? First of all, there's people here tonight that this fits like a glove, like a hand in a glove. Guilt destroys confidence. I think sometimes, I believe sometimes, the reason people feel awkward, they feel backward, um, they, they feel like they can't ever assert themselves, they can't ever bring their gifting to the table, they can't ever bring their talent to the table, it's because they're terrified somebody's going to find out something about them that happened in their past, and they're going to bring it up, and it's going to completely destroy them. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but let me go ahead and drop this gold nugget as somebody said one time this is why you confess your faults sometimes it's just good to go ahead and say it okay i was an idiot 20 years ago so there i have been accused of things i don't remember well that's what's scary some of you know mike frazier when they first converted oh my 40 plus years ago they had a big youth get-together at their house. And um, he told me, probably 20 years after the fact, that I came that night. But instead of pulling up in their driveway, I pulled up in his neighbor's driveway. And instead of backing out and going down one driveway and then pulling in, I just cut across his neighbor's yard. I don't remember that. I've argued him up and down. I didn't do that. He said, yeah, he did. My neighbor told me you did it. Ouch. So every time I'm around Mike Frazier, that thing's going through my head. He's going to bring it up. But before we're done here tonight, he's going to bring it up. He's going to bring it up. He's going to bring it up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Your parents know stuff about you, man. Your siblings. That's even worse than your parents. Your parents can be loving and forgiving. Your siblings look for stuff, buddy. You get out of line, I'm playing this card on you, dude. And you're going to be white. And we worry about that stuff. Is this getting close to home with anybody here tonight yet? We're terrified. So you can't be a confident person when you're guilt-ridden. I should have been a better father. I should have been a better mother. If I'd have done this, if I'd have done that, and on and on you go, and you take all the blame, and it's guilt, and it's guilt, and it's guilt, and it's guilt. It makes you feel insecure because you're always worried. What if somebody finds out the truth about me? then they may not like me anymore or they may reject me anymore. As a result, we become afraid of other people and it destroys our confidence. I've sat with people in my office and they said, Pastor, I'm going to tell you this, but if anybody ever finds out, I'll, I'll, I won't be able to even attend this church anymore. Guilt-ridden. I'm happy to tell people that you don't attend that kind of a church. 
I challenge somebody to pick up a stone and throw it at you. Because let's talk to them about things they have in their past and they'll drop the rocks. Anybody feel me here tonight? So, we're afraid other people's going to find out about us and it destroys our confidence. Many years ago, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, writer of Sherlock Holmes novels, played a prank on five of the most prominent men in England. He sent out an anonymous note to each one of them which simply said, All is found out. Flee at once. And within 24 hours, all five men had left the country. It was just a joke. Now, personally, I don't think that would have been too funny. I, I, I have a pastor friend who's deceased. Love him to death. But uh, he could imitate anybody with his voice. He, could, he was great at it. And he could string you out for days. He called a preacher friend of his, and that's before the caller ID and all that years ago, and he said, oh, yes, uh, is this Reverend so-and-so? And the guy says, yes. And, of course, I can't do it like he did, obviously. But uh, he said, yes, uh, you know, I'm so-and-so and so-and-so with the IRS. And I need to talk to you about your whatever year taxes about two years prior to the phone call. And the preacher said, yes, sir, can, can you hold on just a minute? And he put his hand over the phone. The preacher put his hand over the phone, but the caller could still hear you know I don't always muffle everything he says honey go get the tax file I knew they'd be calling about that it was a joke my pastor friend had no clue he was in trouble <laughs> so like ouch but yeah we we have things that we don't always want to bring to the surface so guilt robs you of confidence it's by the way it just about cost him that friendship by the way for playing that stunt on this pastor friend of his it took him a long time to talk his way out man i was just kidding and i promise you i won't tell and he couldn't wait to hang up the phone he told me so there you and i'm telling you so there you go but guilt robs you of confidence it's like a cloud hanging over your head and you're thinking i just can't get on with my life because i'm afraid somebody is going to find that skeleton in my closet that deep dark secret that no one else knows about guilt carries a heavy weight it can rob you of confidence. The second thing guilt does is it damages your relationship. Guilt will damage relationships. Guilt causes me to respond to people in wrong ways. Guilt can cause me to be impatient with other people. Guilt can cause me to overreact in anger. You know, you have that you, where you just explode and you blow up on somebody. If any men ever experience that, and you're never mind, we, it's not even worth it. Guilt can cause me to indulge people. You, you buy things for them. You try to buy them. Uh, guilt can cause me to avoid commitment in relationship. You can come this close to me, but no further. Um, I know a lot of people that keep people arm's length away from them. One of the major reasons I don't let people get close to me is guilt. It makes me respond to people in ways that sometimes I don't understand. A lot of marital problems today are caused by things that happened prior to the marriage that a spouse feels guilty about. Guilt is damaging. Number three, as I mentioned a moment ago, guilt keeps me stuck in the past. 
Living in the past is like looking in the rearview mirror. You're going to end up crashing if you do that. Guilt tends to replay in your mind over and over the things you wish you could change, but you're never going to change. Listen to pastor here tonight. Guilt cannot change the past, the past just like worry can't change the future. It just makes today miserable. On top of that, guilt can make you sick. According to one report, psychiatrists say that 70% of the people in the hospital could leave today if they just knew how to resolve their guilt. That's a pretty big uh, statistic. When I swallow my guilt, my stomach keeps score. And if I don't talk it out with God, I will take it out on myself or others. The Bible said, the wise man said in Proverbs 28, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. It's a big scripture, big powerful scripture. So how do you come clean? How do you do this house cleaning on the path to being made whole? First of all, you take a personal moral inventory. How do you do that? You get alone by yourself, if you choose to, with a pen and a notepad and ask yourself, what have I felt guilty or remorseful about? What are the faults in my life that I know need changing or at least get them out to someone I trust so I can start healing, I can get this off my plate, I can start moving forward? Ask God to bring up some subconscious hurts or hang-ups to your mind. Jeremiah said in Lamentations chapter 3, Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. David in a time of repentance in Psalms said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So when you take this personal moral inventory, take your time, And by the way, it doesn't work unless you are brutally honest with yourself. This is a good regular discipline that can keep you growing and in tune with God's purpose in your life. I suppose this is why people keep keep diaries or they do journaling. Um, I think it's an outlet. It's a way to get all of this stuff out of you. Uh, Get it on the outside. So why put it in writing? Because it forces you to be specific. Thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips and the fingertips. If I can't say it or putting in writing, it's still pretty vague. So, the first thing to consider when you approach this, this particular exercise in helping resolve guilt is first of all, consider the person who is the object of my resentment or fear. Who am I afraid of? If they find this out, what will they do to me? Who is that person? Number two, think about the cause. What specific action did someone take that hurt me? What is the specific action that someone took that hurt me? Number three, what's been the effect of it? What effect did that action have on my life? Look, I'm talking about people that's been molested. There's people here possibly tonight that's been molested as a child. There's people here tonight that's been possibly abused. And most of the people that's had that experience, you feel guilty about it because somehow or another, it's your fault. 
So talk about what effect did that experience or did that event have on your life? Number four, what was the damage? What damage did that action do to me? What actions did that, what damage did that action do to my instinct? Number five, what was my part in it? What part of the resentment am I responsible for, for these things that may have happened to me? So when you want to approach this subject, if you're on the path to wanting to be whole, you take a personal moral inventory. It's deep. It can be painful. It can be hurtful. But it's a part of the healing process. Kind of like taking a cancerous tumor out of you. It's going to be painful. But until you do, you're not going to heal. Very similar application. And then number two, when you want to approach this subject of of guilt, then you accept responsibility for your part. You accept responsibility for your faults. If it was your fault, then accept the responsibility. If it wasn't, don't. But if it was, do. The wise man said in Proverbs 20, The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. The attitude of a man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. That's going way down deep. It's a flashlight way down deep on the inside of you. The greatest holdup to healing of your hang-ups is you. That's the greatest holdup. It all starts with being radically honest and saying, I'm the problem. You know, we say if I can just change relationships or jobs or locations, then everything will be fine. I've heard this out of people all of my life. Um, I worked with somebody recently that was determined they do not attend Grace Church. But they were determined to move away because of a very difficult, very difficult event that had happened in their life. And I kept asking them why. And bottom line, they blamed themselves for the event and thought if I can just get away, it'll all go away. But I don't think that's entirely true. I think sometimes you have to face the problem where the problem happened. If you don't, you can never go back to that point. So if this is home, it's going to be hard to come back because every time you come back, you're going to be facing it again. That's my opinion. But even deeper than that and going further than that, if you're the problem, if you're the reason you're guilty, then your problem is going to go with you wherever you go. Because wherever you go, there I am. And if you're not careful, you'll just keep messing things up. So don't try to rationalize it, an event that happened. Don't minimize it. And if it was your fault, don't try to blame others. It may have been mostly their fault, but what about your part in it? That's what God holds you responsible to deal with. Here's some scripture, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible said, if we say we have no sin or no guilt, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So you can't get past that point. can't get past it. So if I really want to stop defeating myself, then I've got to stop deceiving myself. Accept responsibility for my faults. It's hard to do, ain't it? Let me lighten the atmosphere just a little bit. <clears throat> I was driving down Central Thruway 
Uh, it was raining. It was dark. It was this past winter. It was dark. I don't know where Sister Murphy and I were going. And when I got to the light at Florida, those of you that are familiar with that intersection, there's a little bit of a curve in it when you cross over Florida. And I was in the left-hand lane on the throughway, and I crossed Florida. I didn't do the curve. I just went straight and ended up in the right lane, which meant I almost clipped the person beside me. They had to slam on their brakes and let this idiot in a white expedition cut in front of them. And, boy, they just sat down on the horn. And, I, man, I just wanted to bow up. I'm like, what in the world? And then I looked, and I said, oops, <laughs> my bad. <I> just <laughs> that was on me. Well, they took out around me blowing the horn and flashing lights and waving their hands and all that. And I wanted so bad, I tried. I literally tried to catch up with the person, get their attention, and say, hey, I was the idiot. I apologize. Sorry about that, whatever. Just trying to lighten the atmosphere a little bit. But I believe one of the most important qualities that a person, one of the most important characteristics a person can embrace, if you want to wake up every day with a clear head, with a light heart, and not stuff dragging behind you from your past, is be honest and transparent with yourself. If there is an event in your life that's troubling you, you can't do one thing about the people that did it, but you can do everything about your part in it. everybody understand and if you can do that then it goes a long way to your healing you have to be able to separate now if there were two or three of you involved in something really horrible okay you can't do nothing about the other people but you can do everything you everything you want to about yourself in that situation so you have to be able to cut them out of it and say i'm gonna be honest and whether they ever admit it or not is up to them between them and god whatever but i'm gonna do my part to be honest and transparent with everybody involved in it. I'm going to be honest with myself. I'm going to be honest with God. It's important that you be honest with yourself. And the Bible teaches that. The third thing you do is you ask God for forgiveness. This is amazing in the scripture. John said in his epistle, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But here's the, here's the trick to that. You have to accept it at face value, just like that. You ask God to forgive you, guess what? He did. So forget about it. It's that easy. So let's go on a little journey here tonight. <clears throat> How do you get forgiveness from God? Everybody needs to hear this, especially those of you that are pursuant to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How do you get forgiveness from God? First of all, do not beg. You don't have to beg. God did not set up forgiveness that way where you have to oh, please, please, please. Oh, God, please. I've heard people do that, and it wears me out. And I've stopped people before. You don't have to beg God. The Bible said, ask him. If you're honest and sincere, and you say, God, I was an idiot, and forgive me. He says, okay, that's it. Brother Ben, it's that simple. We've had similar conversation. It is literally that simple. When you're talking to God, you're not talking to your spouse who wants to blow your brains out right now for something stupid you did. Really horrible. You're not talking to that person. You're not talking to your kids. You're not talking to your parents. You're not talking to your buddy on the job. You're talking to God. And he possesses divine qualities that only human beings strive to have. So when God says, ask me, and you do, 
He says, okay. So don't beg. Number two, don't bargain. Number one, you're not going to live up to it. Number two, God knows it. So don't bargain. Don't tell God a lie. God, if you'll forgive me of this, I promise I won't ever do it again. I promise God I'll be perfect for that. He knows you're not going to do that. Most of us get forgiveness for some sin we did last week, and this week we're committing the same thing again, and we're back to the same spot. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? I just feel like the place just went hard of hearing or something. I made my mic went off, went off. Don't bargain with God. Don't bribe God. As much as you don't bargain saying, I promise I won't do something, don't bribe God saying, I promise I will do. God, I'll win 58 people this year if you forgive me. No, you're not. And he knows that. So you don't have to bribe. He said, just ask. <laughs> it's that simple. Just ask. The basis for forgiveness. The basis for forgiveness. Let's pray for a moment. Everybody pray with me here for a moment. Father, we love you tonight. And God, there's a very heavy atmosphere in this building right now. There's people on the inside whose heart is about to burst. They want to do this. They want to walk this path. But they've been told, they've been taught, it's been manifested around them for years that I could never do this. And God, there is no way on this planet that I could just ask you to forgive me of all the horrible things I've done or the horrible thing I've done. In my past, I've sinned against my parents. I've sinned against my church, against God. I've sinned against my family, my kids. It's like the list just, it never ends, God. And, and there's just no way I can believe that if I just ask at face value, you say, okay, and that's it. God, I pray that you help somebody here. There's men here tonight that are struggling with this. They're guilty as sin over things. And they just think there's no way out. There's no way out. God, things I've done in marriage, things I've done as a single person, things I've done on the job, things I've done when I was out of town. And God, just it's a long list and it's overwhelming. And pastors brought all this back to my mind tonight. And there's just no way that I could just raise my hands and tears stream down my face and say, God, will you forgive me? And you do it just that easy. God, I pray tonight that you help somebody understand that it is that easy. One of the greatest struggles mankind has with forgiveness is accepting it. We can't forgive ourselves. We won't let you forgive us. God, I pray that you help somebody here tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. The basis for forgiveness is that God is incredibly, utterly reliable. That's just who God is is and maybe it doesn't seem fair that somebody has to pay for my sin but somebody did and he paid a an extreme outrageous price but that's why jesus died the bible said in isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says come now and let us reason together saith the lord though your skin sins be as scarlet they shall be as white as snow, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That's what the Bible said. Ask him. Ask him. He'll forgive you. 
And then here comes maybe another hard part, but it's a part of it. And that is admit my faults to another person. James said, confess your faults. The word here is not sin. I want everybody to understand that. It's not sin, it's faults. It's a big difference between the two. But confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. God says that this step is absolutely essential to your recovery. The hard-headed man that says, well, I don't have any faults. Yeah, go ahead, genius, and, and live with a, a, a sick, turbulent marriage and have kids that are all disoriented and all that. Go ahead and live that way if you want. But you're better off to go ahead and admit that you're an idiot and you struggle with it every day and ask your family to forgive you and work with you. You'll be surprised at how much they will and they'll never throw it up in your face again. But admit your faults one to another. Why can't I just admit it to God? Why do I have to drag another person into this? Because the root cause of our problem is relational. It's not God. It's relationships with other people. That's why you drag the human element into it. We lie to each other and wear our mask and we deny our true feelings and we play games. And as a result, we become isolated and insecure. If they really knew the truth about me, we say they'd reject me. Somebody said one time, I'm only as sick as my secrets. Revealing your feelings is a beginning of healing. When you risk honesty, suddenly a feeling of freedom comes into your life. You realize that everybody has some problems. Everybody has problems. And often they have the same ones you do. You don't need more than one, but you do need at least one person in your life that you can totally be honest with. Why? There's something therapeutic about it. It's God's way of freeing us. They say the best counselors on the planet are those who know how to listen. It's just people need somebody to, you just, you, you talk it. It's, it's regurgitating something out of your system is what it's doing. It's kind of like food poisoning. Your body rejects it. Well, when you have bad experiences in your life, if you can verbalize it, it's like you're getting rid of it. You're, you're getting it out of your system. Now, you can go blabbing it and quit putting your stuff on Facebook. Well, somebody just almost got shoved out of their seat. I wonder what that meant. <clears throat> Do I just go out and broadcast my sins to everybody? No, telling the wrong person could get you in trouble. So who do you tell? You tell someone you can trust to keep a confidence. You tell somebody who can keep their mouth shut and don't use it as leverage on you later. And that's my problem with opening up to people, is you're going to use that as leverage later. Someone who understands the value of what you're doing. Someone who is mature enough not to be shocked. Someone who knows the Lord well enough that they can reflect His forgiveness in you. You don't have to tell everybody, just somebody. We don't understand, folks, how the devil works through isolation. The moment you share the secret that's been making you sick, you'll experience freedom like you've never felt before. The secret you want to conceal, the most is... The, the, the most is the one you need to reveal. And the most, because it will heal you the most. So, on this road, and I'm sure hurrying the landing gears out, accept God's forgiveness and forgive yourself. For all have sinned, the Bible said, and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
So how does God forgive people? First of all, he forgives instantly. Humans like to make us suffer for a while, but God doesn't do that. God forgives instantly. Number two, God forgives freely. We don't deserve forgiveness and we can't earn it. God just gives it. He forgives completely. So he forgives instantly, freely, and completely. God totally wipes out our failures and mistakes when we ask him. So this is where these verses apply, and I'm done. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. How does that happen? It's when you walk this path that I've taught tonight. The issue is not whether God will forgive me. The issue is whether I will let God forgive me and whether I'll forgive myself. John again said in his epistle, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. I preached a sermon on that last year. When you live in the past, it's hard. I'm not there. My name is not I was. When you live in the future, it's hard. God says, because I'm not there, my name is not I will be. But when you live in the present, it's easy. I am there, he says, because my name is I am. So I want to assure everyone here tonight before you leave, before we end this service tonight, that there's not a person here tonight that's not snugly, firmly wrapped up in the hands of God. Don't walk out of here and think you're leaving on your own. You're not leaving tonight by yourself. God's going out the door with you whether you believe it or not. Whether you accept it or not, he's going to be there. But if you'll accept this presentation tonight, you'll walk back in here Sunday morning a different person. You'll have a load lifted off of your life. If there's anybody that wants to go deeper into this with your family... I'd like to talk to your family without you being there. That if there's things in your past that they've shared with you as a family, if mom has shared some things, if dad has shared some things, don't you ever throw that up in their face again. What if God did that to you? Nobody here perfect. If there's somebody that's opened up to you and they've told you some dark fault in their life or whatever, don't throw it up in their face ever again. Don't use it as leverage. It's not what is intended here tonight. It's intended that you be a a receptacle for that person to help them get rid of that awful burden of guilt that they've been carrying. And you can help them transform into an amazing person of character, morality, and an awesome saint of God. That's what you can do to help. So I hope everybody understands. So God bless you tonight. Has this been too heavy? Has it been too too much i hope not if i've poked at something and you need to talk to me about it i'll be happy to but uh, otherwise talk to the lord in prayer get somebody close to you take this journey and see what happens in your life i want to pray one more time would you stand with me tonight if everybody would if you'd join in with me and let's pray for one another here tonight father we are a part of a great church a great kingdom and the only person that's a part of this is perfect is you you're the only one that's perfect 
None of us, nobody here tonight has a right to pick up a a stone and throw it at anyone else because of something horrible they've done. And I pray that we could understand that. We, We cannot stand on our high horse of judgmentalism and judge people, hold their past against them. God, even ourselves, we can't drag our past out from under the blood. Once it's under your blood, it stays there. You don't bring it up anymore. And I pray to God that we could somehow accept the forgiveness that's only given through the Holy Ghost that we keep bringing it up to ourselves. God, help us tonight to deal with our guilt by accepting your forgiveness because you forgive instantly, you forgive completely, and you forgive freely. Help us to accept that. Help somebody here tonight. Help them to accept it. Help them to receive it. I pray it in Jesus' name that the peace of God would go with everyone here tonight. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Y'all lighten the atmosphere a little bit with one another. Laugh a little bit. Shake hands. uh, Greet one another before you go. God bless you.